God. Please be seated. How do you respond when God calls you to go? The story of Jonah is about so much more than a big fish. In Jonah's story, we see our own story, our fear, our reluctance, our defiance. But more than that, we see the power and purposes of God. Despite our wavering faith, God's love remains constant. Let's dive into Jonah's story and discover the depths of God's love. You've probably heard the expression before, if you feel far from God, remember he is not the one that moved. Now that's probably an oversimplification of what happens sometimes, but I think there's a lot of good theology in that saying. If you feel that there's a distance between you and God, there's a chance that you're the one who has moved away. After all, do you remember what Paul said to the people of Athens in Acts chapter 17? that God is not far from any one of us, that God is always right there within arm's reach. And if you do feel distant from God this morning, I am glad that you're here. If you're joining us online and that's where you are, you just can't make your way back yet, I'm glad at least you're tuned in. If you're with us in the room and you feel like there's just a wall between God and me, there's just a, there's just a space that I can't seem to overcome. I am so thankful that you are here. But I have to ask the question that I have asked in my life and maybe you have as well, how did I end up far from God? How did I end up not with God, next to God, living with God and for God? What happened along the way? Let me see if I can illustrate it. Two chairs. One here, one down here. And let's say this chair up here represents life with God, at the center of God's will. When I am living as God has called me to live, made me to live, created me to live, I have a vibrant prayer life. I am living my life ordered by the values of the kingdom of God, not by the world's values. I am serious about walking in the footsteps of Jesus. I want to adhere to the great command to love God with everything I've got and to love my neighbor as myself. Every aspect of my life is trying to be shaped by the help of the Spirit into something that honors and values God my vocation, my relationships, my decisions, my resources. I am living at the center of God's will as much as I can with the help of the Spirit. But there's another place. Down here is life apart from God. Now, obviously up here, that doesn't seem like a very far journey, does it? It's only a few feet, a few steps, but space is relative. Because we all know what life is like here when you're not living according to the ways and the will of God. Rather, you are living in a way that really honors self. Life here is about what I want, what I think is best, 
And I'm not serious about discipleship. I'm not serious about walking in the footsteps of Jesus. I may talk some. I may talk a good talk. I may go through some socially acceptable activities that would tell generally everyone else or most everyone else, oh, that's a good person. I may not even abandon my belief in God. I believe that God is still there somewhere, but I just don't want to live for him. Some of you know what it's like to live here because that's where you are right now. Some of you know what it's like because that's where you were. Some of you know because someone very dear to you is sitting right here in this chair and it breaks your heart and you don't know what to do and you don't know what to say and you continue to pray that God would bring that person back to him. Now when you look at these two chairs you have to ask yourself how does this happen because as I said that space doesn't look that great of course space is relative but how does one go from there to there from my experience and my conversations with people it's usually not a big leap from that chair to that chair now occasionally that does happen maybe circumstances of life maybe loss maybe something just tragic and dramatic happens in life and that person just says I give up on God I don't believe in God I don't want any part of God I don't want any part of church and sometimes you see that someone decides to deconstruct their faith and they just leave the pieces scattered on the floor but for most people most people I talk to it's much more gradual it's much more incremental you see they were once with God and everything was great but then you know someone at church said something someone at church hurt my feelings or I just can't seem to get plugged in to church or life is just crazy right now there's just so much going on I still love God and I I still consider myself a Christian but things are just crazy right now my job is demanding more and more of my time my resources my energy my attention or you know I, I just don't know how a good God could let this happen this suffering this experience this loss this oppression this injustice in our world in my life and we just allow these things to push us push us away or maybe it's hanging out with different people a different friend group a different peer group different values different priorities and pretty soon we have just walked away casually walked away and sometimes we try to keep God and the church and Christian things within arm's reach but the truth is we get comfortable here don't we we make ourselves at home right here we kick back and put up our feet and we live in a world that reinforces that this is normal that this is acceptable, that this is how bright people live their lives. Because up there, those people, they're not so enlightened. They're living in the dark ages. They're very narrow-minded. They're living according to this fairy tale they read in a book. And so the world reinforces life here. 
And I can tell you this, that Satan is actively working to make you comfortable and content, independent from God. You see, Satan normalizes life in this chair. It's acceptable. It's how others in the world live. It's what's expected of you. And the more comfortable we get right here, the more Satan puts things between these two chairs that blocks our way back. Satan puts things there that keeps us from making the climb, from making our journey, our way back to God. Now, this is a somewhat effective way to illustrate that, but what does it look like in real life? Well, many of us could give testimonies to that, couldn't we? And how valuable that would probably be to hear each other's stories of how we walked away or gradually moved away or for whatever reason didn't even know it and we were being pulled away from God. It happens in all different ways and forms and shapes. And that's where Jonah comes into our story because he is a real-life example of what we're talking about. In a moment, in an experience, in a response to a calling from God, we see Jonah move away from God and God's will. We're starting a sermon series today on the book of Jonah, the story of Jonah. It's a familiar story to many of us. By the way, the bookmarks, the Discovery Bible Study bookmarks are out in the lobby and on our website. If you grew up in church at all, if you've heard much of the Bible, if you went to vacation Bible school as a child, you probably know the story of Jonah. That's the story where the big fish swallows him, right? What a crazy story. And it is a fanciful, fantastic fish story, but it's so much more than that. It is our story. You see, our actions reflect the actions of Jonah. Our heart often reflects the heart of Jonah. But more than that, this story is not about Jonah. It's not about you or me. It is about God. In fact, the word fish is only used three times in the book of Jonah. The city of Nineveh is used like, I think, eight times. Jonah himself is only mentioned 17 times, but God is mentioned 37 times in the book of Jonah. It is about God, about his relentless pursuit of people, about the great depths of his love. And we want to know God. Before we get into the story, some quick background, just to set the stage, just to give some context. Jonah is a prophet of God, and he is serving in the northern kingdom of Israel, the, the the nation of Israel has been divided into the northern kingdom Israel, the southern kingdom Judah. Jonah is in the northern kingdom. And as I said, he is a prophet from God. It's in the mid-8th century B.C., so some 750 years before Jesus' time. And a comment made in 2 Kings chapter 14 tells us that Jonah prophesied in the time of King Jeroboam II of the northern kingdom like most kings of the northern kingdom he was not a king who strove to honor God he didn't live to honor God and here's where the story gets interesting unlike most of the prophets of God who are called by God to preach to God's people God has a different plan a different purpose for his prophet Jonah 
And so we look at Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. God commissions his prophet Jonah to go and preach, but not just to anyone, not just to his own people in the northern kingdom. He says, you go to the city of Nineveh, this wicked city. It's one thing to preach to a friendly crowd. It's another thing to preach to a hostile crowd. And God calls Jonah to go preach to these people who aren't living as they should, Notice he says, it is the great city of Nineveh. Not great in the sense that it is good, in fact, just the opposite. It is great, it is large, but it is anything but good. It is a wicked place. Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria, and Assyria was well known for its cruelty, especially as it would conquer lands and conquer people groups. It was so cruel as it tortured those people and took over that land. Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. If you know your church history, you know it's not long, a few decades later from this time, that Assyria actually takes over the northern kingdom of Israel. The text says that the evil of this city has come up before the Lord. It's an interesting way to say it, isn't it? The wickedness has come up before the Lord. That Hebrew phrase there literally means there is a stench rising up to the nostrils of God. There is this odor, this smell of wickedness that is ascending into heaven. Anyone who has a dog in a backyard knows this phenomenon, right? You take a wrong step in the backyard and all of a sudden there's this smell that comes up to the nostrils from your shoe. This wickedness comes up to God, comes before the Lord. But rather than annihilating Nineveh, rather than destroying Assyria, the God of all mercy wants to do what? To reach them, to rescue them from judgment. So he sends Jonah. Now, if that was you, how would you respond? What if God was asking you to do what he asked Jonah to do? Would you say, okay, God, I've been looking for a challenge. I'm ready to go. No, most of us would say, God, you got to be kidding. Those people, they don't want to hear from me. I don't want to talk to them. Those people are too wicked. They're too evil. They won't listen. It's not going to be convenient or comfortable for me. I'd rather not. I'm gifted in a different area, God, or I feel a calling in another area. I don't want to go. How did Jonah respond? Back in our text, verse 3. But Jonah ran away. He ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So how did Jonah answer the call of God? He just hung up on him. (laughs) He went the opposite direction. God said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Jonah said, nope, I'm going to Tarshish. The opposite direction direction Jonah's name means dove and dove here Jonah spread his wings and tried to fly to freedom freedom as he defined it 
Who could blame him? As I said, Nineveh was an evil place, evil people. This assignment would not be easy. It would certainly not be enjoyable. But I want you to notice a detail in the text. Where does Jonah go precisely? The text says that he goes down to Joppa. He went down to Joppa. This is a theme in Jonah's story. In fact, you can find this throughout the Old Testament. When someone travels down to Egypt, that means they're usually going away from God's will, God's plan. Jonah goes down to Joppa. And this theme would be true throughout his story as he continues a downward descent that ultimately would put him where? In the depths of the sea, in the belly of this big fish. But think about this. When God called Jonah, Jonah didn't go jump into the sea. When God said, go preach to Nineveh, Jonah didn't say, I need to find a big fish and crawl inside it. (laughs) No, what did he do? He took incremental steps. It says he went down to Joppa. Here he was with God. God was commissioning him as his mouthpiece, as his messenger. He had a job for him. And Jonah says, no, I'm going down to Joppa. But he didn't stop there. What else did he do? He looked for a boat, a ship, and he found one. And then what did he do? He bought a fare, a ticket on the ship. And then he got onto the boat or the ship. And then the ship set sail. At any point in time, he could have said no. At any point in time, he could have said, no, I need to stop, I need to go back. But he continued to take these steps away from God, away from God's will, away from God's calling on his life. He continued to do that. Why? Because this space right here, between these chairs, is a space of rationalization and reasoning. In our minds, we have good reason for doing that. In our minds, we can justify it. Jonah could have been, like many of us would be, why would God allow a ship to be there? You know, why didn't God just remove the ship? And then I wouldn't have known what to do. Or why would would he not have allowed me to just get on the ship? If God wanted to stop me, he could have at any point in time, but he just let me go. We rationalize. We justify. We come up with reasons why it's okay. One of the most common ways we actually walk away from God is by trying to convince ourselves and other people that we are actually walking with God. And we will say things like, well, God opened this door. Or I feel led by God to do this. Or the classic of all classics, after all, God wants me to be, what's the rest of that? Happy. God wants me to be happy. You see, this space between where God created us to live and to be and where we often choose to live and to be is filled with rational reasons that sound rational to us. Moving away from God, it doesn't require a huge leap. It's usually these small incremental steps. So how do you know 
if your path is really ordained by God? How do you know if the choices you're making in your life are taking you away from God or toward God? How do you know if he has divinely ordered your steps? Go back to verse one. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. I don't know how it happened, but God commissioned Jonah. I don't know if it was a voice from heaven. I don't know if he sent an angel. I don't know if he descended a stone tablet with words on it or there was some kind of contraption that exploded after he read his mission. I don't know how God did it, but somehow through his word, he did it through his word, he spoke, he expressed, he conveyed this commission to Jonah. It was in his word. It was God's word. And here's the thing about God's word. God will never lead you down a path that contradicts his word. That's how you know. If God tells us something in his word, in the Bible, in scripture, he's not going to come along later and tell you something that contradicts what he's already said in his word. Now, this is important. You may not be listening well to his word. You may have some very poor exegesis skills that are causing you to misinterpret his word or misapply his word. But God is not going to lead you down a path that is contrary to something he has already said in scripture. For Jonah, the word was clear. Go preach to Nineveh unmistakable and the truth is Jonah just didn't want to go we can relate can't we how many times has God called us and we just oh we just don't want to go you see it's not just rationalization in this space it's good reasons that we come up with and Jonah probably had plenty I know if it were me I would have come up with several God you know those people are wicked you know they're hopeless. You know they're too far gone. Or, God, you don't need me. You're going to forgive them anyway. You're going to show mercy to them anyway. Why do you need me? Or, God, this is just way, you're asking too much. It's 500 miles to Nineveh. That's a long trip. That is inconvenient. That will be uncomfortable. Or, God, this isn't fair. You ask all your other prophets to talk to us, our people, Israel. Why are you asking me to talk to these outsiders these ungodly these wicked people we would come up with plenty of reasons Jonah had reasons for running away and you and I can always find reasons for leaving God for moving away from God and other people and circumstances will reinforce that decision but of course all of those reinforcements are rooted in the world's wisdom, in the values of the world, not the kingdom. And they appeal to our selfish nature. Just, just really boil down the choice that Jonah had. It, it, it illustrates all of us and our choices. Jonah, you can go travel 500 miles to these outsiders who are wicked, and you could preach to them, or you can take some time off and go on a little cruise. What sounds better? an easy choice going on a cruise sounds a lot better that's the choice many of us have to make 
And many of us make the obvious choice, the choice that is better for us. Jonah chose what was best for him, what he thought was best for him. And his choice not only reflects how we gradually sometimes, incrementally sometimes, move away from God's call in our life, God's will for our life, but it also illustrates how we, in fact, submit to sin. It's important that we take time to talk about sin because sin is real. Listen to what James wrote about sin. James chapter 1, verse 14. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Do you see the process there? It's this, it's this incremental process we are with God. We are with fellowship, in fellowship with God. We are living according to the will of God. Not perfect, of course, but the Spirit is living in us and leading us and guiding us, ordering our steps. We are trying to conform with the help of the Spirit every aspect of our life according to the values of the kingdom in ways that honor God. And then what happens? Temptation comes along. Temptation comes along, and we are, what word did James say? We are enticed, and we look at temptation. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And that enticement takes root in our hearts and our minds, and pretty soon we yield to that temptation, and we commit sin and at any point, we can go back, but boy, that's, that's uphill. That's a difficult journey already. We look down, and we're already removed from God and God's people, God's will, and what do we do? Well, temptation doesn't stop. It shows up again. Well, we already kind of gave into it once, so we'll just do it again. That's the nature of Temptation. What does James say it leads to? He says it takes root in our lives and ultimately it leads to death. Death meaning separation from God. That's where sin takes you. Isn't this the story of the fall? Isn't that the story of what happened in the garden? You see, in the garden, everything was great. Fellowship with God, walking with God time with God, everything was good. That phrase is used in creation. He saw what he made and it was good. Creation was good. Life was good. Humankind was living at the center of God's will, exactly where man and woman were created to live. And what happened? Temptation. Next thing you know, we're talking to a serpent. <laughs> that serpent appeals to something inside of us. We were enticed. Lust of the eyes, the fruit looked good. The lust of the flesh, it tasted good. The pride of life, you can have the wisdom of God. You can be like God. Never mind that you were created in the image of God. You already bear the image of God. You can be like God, as smart as God, as wise as God. Ooh, that sounds good. And what happens? We give in to that temptation, to that sin. And ultimately, 
Where does it lead humankind? Death. Separation from God. For Adam and Eve, for all of us, it ultimately or eventually meant physical death. But even more serious than physical death is the eternal separation from God. That is death. That's the journey of sin. That's the path of sin. And I can tell you, Satan wants to do everything he can to keep you right there. He doesn't want you to make this journey back. He wants to put things in your path to keep you from coming back to God. You see, Jonah continued to move away from God and God's call on his life. It's difficult to go back. So this morning, as we think about this and begin to apply it to our own lives, let me just ask you a simple question. And the question is this, where are you? Where are you? In relation to God, where are you? Are you living at the center of his will, truly striving to walk with Jesus? To allow the values of the kingdom to to order your priorities and your values, to submit to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, to honor God with, with your time, your relationships, your vocation, your conversation, every aspect of your life, or are you down there apart from God separated from God in a place that has become comfortable in a place that's become normal have you well not giving up on God I know God is still there and I know yeah I get all that but you know I just I've got a lot going on right now or I don't like the way the church dealt with this, or I just can't find my place yet. Or maybe you're there because you've given in to temptation and sin has dragged you away from God. Where are you? You look over your shoulder if you're down here and you see so much in between. You see so much in this gulf between you and where you know God calls you to live and to be. I mean, we can't begin to list all the things that this space represents in our lives. We look over our shoulder from that vantage point and we see pain. Maybe you were hurt. Maybe you were mistreated. Maybe you had a bad experience with God or the church or with a Christian. And you just can't get over that pain. And so it keeps you away from God. Or maybe you're down there and you look over your shoulder and what you see is regret. And you see shame. You see embarrassment. You know getting up from that seat and starting to take those steps back. Oh, to you it feels like the walk of shame. What are people going to say? What are they going to think? I don't even know what I think. For some it's just simply busyness and distraction and all the things that life throws at you and you're like you know I I will come back to God I will get back to church but that's later I just I got so much going on right now I'm just I can't work it out I can't but but later I will what's in between the space what's keeping you you see Satan has put every one of those things and a thousand more 
in that spot, in that space, in that gap, to keep you away from God. Satan doesn't so much care that you curse God and slam the door on your way out. He is perfectly content with you just meandering away from God because he knows the farther you get, the more normal it seems and the harder it is to come back. But if Jonah's story tells us anything, it tells us that there is always a way back. There's always a way back. But it starts with knowing that you are lost. It starts with knowing that you are separated from God. It begins with acknowledging and confessing, that's the word we use, confessing, repenting, that you aren't where you need to be. You aren't, you aren't where God made you to be. Earlier this week, did you, did you get the uh, silver alert on your phone? I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of people got that. I was, I was in the middle of something. All of a sudden, my phone just started blaring. And I thought, what in the world is that? You'd think I would know by now, but it was kind of cloudy, and I thought, oh, is there a tornado warning? What's happening here? And I look at my phone, and of course, it's a silver alert. There's a, a woman in Edmond, actually, who had wandered off. She'd gotten lost. It's kind of weird when everyone's phone starts going off at the same time. If that ever happens in church, we'll just keep going, okay? It'll just, we'll all look at our phones, and then we'll, we'll continue on. We'll take a little pause. What's, what's the purpose of that alert? It is to tell everyone that someone is lost, that someone needs help, that we all as a community can open our eyes and look around and see, do I see this person? Here's the description. Do I see this car? Here's the description of the car. If I do, maybe I can help in some way. We have to find this person. It is so important, by the way, I think she was found. Now, a couple of things I think about as I began to connect that. First of all, what if we had a soul alert? What if we all had something that alerted us when someone among us was starting to get lost, when they were starting to take some steps away from home? Wouldn't that be nice? We could all open our eyes. We could all take notice. We could all do something. We could look for that person. We could intervene on behalf of that person. Unfortunately, I, I'm afraid if some of us had that, we would do what we do with the silver alert. Huh, man, that's too bad. Sure hope they find her and then go on about our business. As you answer that question this morning, where am I? If you're here, God bless you. Keep it up. Continue to love God, serve others, glorify him. But be ready, be alert, because there are others around you who need your help, who need you to draw them back to God. And if you're down here, we want you to know that if you've made that downward descent away from God, yes, it sometimes feels like a long way back, but you have a community right here who truly do care who truly do love you, who want you back in the fold, who want you back with God. And our expression of our care, I'll be honest, isn't always perfect. But trust me, it's there. 
you're a part of a caring community. And moments like this are opportunities for you knowing, recognizing, confessing where you are can reach out and say, I need help coming back. Maybe you're somewhere in between. Maybe you've taken a step or two. Maybe you've allowed friends to drag you away a step or two. Maybe you've allowed the distractions of life to begin a journey, a downward descent away from God's will and from God himself. Open your eyes. Look around. See where you are. You see the journey back to God. It may seem difficult. It may seem a long way. But it is a path that God provides. As we will see in Jonah's story, there's always a way back. God wants you to come back. Maybe today is the day that you do that. Don't delay. If we can help you, if we can be that community of faith that embraces you, that welcomes you home, let us do that. In just a moment, a couple of our shepherds and their wives will be in the parlor. It's a room right here behind me. And you can go out any of these doors. You can meet with them there. It's a great time for just connecting with someone who cares, letting them pray for you. If you need to confess sin or just say, hey, I feel like I'm, I'm moving away from church. I feel like I'm moving away from God. I need, I need some accountability. I need some support. I need some help. Our shepherds will be happy to do that. We, as a church family, would be happy to do that. Maybe today you're ready to no longer live your life there, you're ready to make the decision that you always want to live at the center of God's will, to live the life he created you to live. That begins with surrendering your life to Christ, being baptized into Christ. Maybe you're ready to do that today. We would love to celebrate with you. If there's something we can do, we invite you to come as we stand and sing. Let's stand together.